You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we didn't think the first loss of the season would be coming against the Colts. How are we feeling this morning? Well, all things considered, all right. I mean, it's going to happen. You know, you're going to have losses like this in an NFL season, and you generally cannot predict when they're going to occur. So, uh, you know, maybe we should have been a little more cautious in what we said about the game because uh, that's always a possibility, even against a bad team. And I'm not sure the Colts are a bad team. So I, I don't like when when the football game makes me feel like an idiot. And this was one of these games <laughs> where, like, I thought there was no way the Chiefs could lose yeah. this game. I couldn't fathom it. And lo and behold, that the NFL continues to to surprise you. Andy Reid has, has gone on and on and on about the parody, and the parody hit the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I and we're going to get into it here, but I, I think they made a ton of mistakes. I want to before we get into that, and we, we have a, we have a great show for you planned. We have we'll go through the news. We have Andy Reid from Monday afternoon, and we have marinated takeaways. But I do this hit every Monday morning on KSHB forty one and. I'm, I'm racking my brain this morning as I'm getting up and I'm like, how can I make people feel better about this dumb loss? And I'm going to start on a positive note. I'm going to try to make you feel better about this dumb loss. Take, come back with me. Come back with me to 2019, right? The Chiefs, they start 4-0. What happens? They play the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> and they the Colts kind of stink at that point. What happens in the game after the Chiefs are, are rolling at the beginning of the season? They lose 19-13 to 13 in an ugly game against the Colts. And you know what happened that year? They won the Super Bowl. So, look, wasn't great yesterday. We're going to get into the details of why not. But if you're looking for any kind of positivity, it's that there's a long season ahead, and we have seen this exact scenario turn into a Super Bowl season. So right. let's try to remain right. positive if we can. So we're going to get into the news in a second. Go and ahead, another thing about that, in that game, Patrick Mahomes was injured. That was the game, wasn't it, where Cam Irving stepped on his foot and then he was hopping around on one foot for the rest of the game and, and played poorly, and that was part of the reason the Chiefs lost. And that didn't happen right in this game. That. So that didn't happen in this game. So that's that's a positive. See? Right. It works. That that's a positive. Replacing the Cam Irving moment was Orlando Brown Jr. falling onto his back and laying there like he was taking a nap, uh, mm -hmm. which was not yeah. good either. Yeah. But you know that that tends to happen. Okay, uh, before we get into the news and, and reviewing what happened over the past week, we have one review. So we're, we're staying positive here because it's a five star review it's from uh, Coast to Coast. The no name five star review for Coast to Coast was me. <laughs> and he's laughing. It still says no name. Not sure how my name didn't come through. 
here's another five star. And in the in the in the body, he put Anthony Sasania. I think I got that right. Um, yeah. So a, a compliment for Coast to Coast. We love Coast to Coast. You can catch it on the Twitter sphere and then on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network uh, each and every week during the NFL season. They even allow really anyone who's on Twitter to join. So Trey Wingo joined recently, which I thought was pretty cool. Just out of the blue, just decided to join the, the, the fellas, Aaron Ladd and Mark Gunnels on Coast to Coast. So if any other NFL media personalities or celebrities would like to join Coast to Coast, you know what to do. Uh, just contact Steve and be on Twitter at the right time. All right, let's get into the news. We, again, we're going to get into Andy Reid. We're going to get into our marinated takeaways from this 20 to 17 disaster in Indianapolis yesterday. But uh, again, continuing on a positive note, Jalen Watson won AFC Defensive Player of the Week for the second game of his career, the 99-yard interception on Thursday Night Football. Just a really cool moment for uh, Jalen Watson, especially being a seventh rounder. He's done a nice job so far, John, filling in for Trent McDuffie. Yeah, and it was more than just a return. He actually had a pretty good game on top of that. It's just the yeah. return overshadowed everything else. because Well, the reason a... I say return, I don't think he wins the award without the, the go-ahead Well, touchdown. sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you usually have a splashy play that glow that uh, goes along with getting that award, and that was the case here. But he actually turned in a pretty good game, um, and they actually targeted him in that game. Yeah, and he played well, and then you know showed him up at the end of the game and and turned it on its head, uh, turning it into a victory for the Chiefs. So, yeah, a, a big moment for him, and back to back Player of the Week awards for the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to make it to three in a row, however. You don't I'm think Matt Amendola is going to get? I'm, I'm making that prediction teams. now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, so Jalen Watson, it, good on him. Chiefs feel like they got one on on day three. Remains to be seen what happens with the fourth rounder, Joshua Williams. Like, there's always the good and the bad, right? Like the fact that Watson right. went ahead of the fourth rounder is interesting. We'll see if Joshua Williams can can develop as a player for the Chiefs. Another piece of news that came through. The team poached defensive end Benton Whitley from the Rams. The Rams had poached tight end Kendall Blanton from the Chiefs. So a little back and forth between the Chiefs and the Rams poaching from the practice squad. This may say something about Mike Dana. Mike Dana didn't practice all week uh, with the calf injury, which was an an under-the-radar loss, I think, heading into what ended up being Mm -hmm. a a loss in Indianapolis. Mike Dana had a really nice start to the season, John. Yeah, he has, and uh, it hasn't been very flashy, uh, but he's been a solid player, just like he's been all along, frankly. I mean, the Chiefs have liked him right from the moment he walked in the door, and um, and they've, I think, largely been justified in in that evaluation of him. Uh, but again, he hasn't been a flashy guy. It's not a guy that puts up a lot of sacks and um, you know really shows up in people's eyes on game day, but... Uh, the Chiefs know what they have, and they like him. And uh, and I think it was an underappreciated uh, loss in this in the game that came this weekend. Really a shame, I, I think, for both McDuffie and Dana. McDuffie, the rookie, through 20 snaps of his career, looked pretty darn good before he mm-hmm. had to exit and eventually went on IR. And Dana, I think, was almost in the midst, to me, of, of what could have been uh, a breakout season. And so you wonder when he's going to get back in the mix i wonder if they were to i wonder if they would have poached whitley if if dana they felt better about you know his outlook we know it's probably not going to be more than four weeks because the chiefs would have put him on injured reserves so we'll see if he's back in the mix check the first 
Chiefs Bucks injury report Wednesday on arrowheadpride.com. John, the next headline you got for us here on Wednesday, Andy Reid said the team is not looking past the Colts. So much for that. Uh, <laughs> did, not, did not matter uh, in this game. I don't need to say much more than that. Patrick Mahomes uh, said he would like to do a, a quarterback sneak, and he, re- he reiterated that he's been asking Reid about it. Reid said that as well. And Mahomes essentially said, maybe I can do it in the Super Bowl when there's no film review the next day. He doesn't have to explain to Andy Reid why he audibled into a quarterback sneak himself, <laughs> which is a nice strategy. It doesn't seem like the Chiefs are going to do it. But I mean, again, we'll get into the, to this game. They're struggling with short yardage uh, here mm-hmm. and, yeah. and running, running the football. And so you never thought that they would miss the tight end sneak of Blake Bell. But I really think that they are at this point. Uh, that's fair. And uh, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't tried to execute it with Michael Burton, frankly. Uh, That's what I would have expected, short a tight end, that they'd find somebody else who could do that play, and I'd think Michael Burton would be able to do it. The man can catch passes, after all. But, um, you know, they they just have chosen either not to do it or um, maybe they tried it with Burton and it didn't work out the way they wanted to. I don't know. I I would have expected them to put that play back in in some way. It wasn't exactly a fullback sneak or the tight end mm-hmm. sneak like Blake Bell did, but they did hand it off to Burton in the third quarter of this game. Yes, on they did. And one, mm-hmm. and he was able to convert. So maybe that, that is the plan ahead is to just hand it off to this bowling ball. The, the new sausage, Mr. New sausage, Mike Burton, <laughs> when you need to get those couple yards for the first down on Thursday, Dave Tobe said that, <laughs> Uh, I'm laughing as I'm about to read this. Dave Tope said the following things. Uncle Dave wishes he had a couple back here, but he said that Sky Moore is making great decisions on special teams. He was very confident about that. He uh, said that he had full confidence in Matt Amendola, the kicker. So a lot of looking back at these headlines from the past week, and it seems like they're pretty silly at this point, John. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the other things he said was that uh, he went into detail about how they'd chosen Amendola. They had a, uh, a competition between six place kickers, including apparently uh, the fellow who was kicking for the Colts from their practice squad on Sunday. He actually made a couple of field goals, which is more than Amendola could say. But uh, Tobe said that Amendola made nine of 10, I believe it was. Uh, each of these kickers got uh, 10 field goal opportunities and Amendola made more than anybody else. Honestly, I think that's a pretty good test. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that Tobe said in that interview that he hadn't paid any attention to what Amendola's numbers had been before. He was going to make the decision just based on what he saw in this kicking competition. And in, a sen- in essence, they're duplicating a game situation. They're putting pressure on you. You're not going to get this job if you don't win this competition. So it's like being in a game situation. I think that's a pretty good test for a guy that you're just going to bring in for a few weeks. Uh, you don't have the opportunity to, um, you know, have a long-term search and interview the guy over and over. We got to do something today. We got to put a kicker on the, the squad today. And that's a pretty good way to do it. At least it seems to me now didn't pan out in this instance but i don't think it's because it was a bad test we'll have a quote from andy reed regarding the status of amandola in the next segment i don't think the future's bright in kansas city for no for the kicker 
And then finally, the other thing was that Darius Harris uh, had a long road to Sunday start and he ended up playing pretty well. It seemed mm-hmm. like there, yeah. there were some problems in coverage early. The, it seemed like there was a mix up between him and Karloftis in the first touchdown. I think he's coming. I think he had to sort of get in the mix, but he ended up leading the team in tackles, which I thought was impressive. And, and, and look, the chiefs are going to need him to play well over the next, the four game stretch. We should get more information on Steve Spagnuolo's evaluation of Harris when it comes time to talk to the coordinators that'll happen on, on Thursday of this week. But it's a guy that was a, a red shirt in 2019 was off and on the practice squad, like CJ Spiller and has earned his opportunity here and as we are trying to look at some of the positives from this game, the defense played lights out. I know that they gave up the game-winning touchdown. You know, the only other touchdown uh, in this game was the when they started on the four-yard line. You can't really play much better than that. I mean, th- this was a, a, a fault of the offense and the special teams. And I think Harris was a, a part of that. And for the defense not to really flinch, and we'll see how they do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football, but for the defense to, for the most part, not really flinch, um, as a whole. And, and, you know, you're taking out that boneheaded decision by, by Chris Jones. When I say that, uh, I think Harris was a big part of that. And so if you're looking for bright sides and, and positives and silver linings, I feel like the chiefs may be okay with Harris over the next four games without gay. And I think the chiefs defense is going to be all right in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did all this without McDuffie, uh, without Harris, without, uh, with, without Willie gay. Um, you know, it, they've, they've got some problems to deal with. No Mike Dana, and they still turned in a really good game uh, against a team that had its back against the wall. I, I think that's the one thing that we didn't really account for uh, last week when we were making our predictions for the game and talking about how it might play out. And a, a couple of the a couple of our contributors mentioned that in their predictions for the game on ArrowheadPride.com that this was going to be a desperate team, mm-hmm. and uh, they were right. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we saw uh, on Sunday was how big the desperation factor can be in an NFL, uh, in an NFL game. Those guys had their backs against the wall and they responded to that in a big way. I think, well, the Col- the Colts had a tie on their record, so I wouldn't say that they lost every game, but they were, they were facing being winless through three games. Right. And that's bad. Is- and this isn't a new regime like the Las Vegas Raiders who might get some leeway. This is potentially a GM who we know well and Chris Ballard and a head coach and Frank Reich who might be on their last chance here. And I, I think sometimes when you bring in a quarterback and, and the team kind of knows that they, they can start playing for the head coach. I know that Frank Reich is, is beloved in, in that organization and the players yes. really like mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So you did see some of that desperation and the chiefs were not able to, to pull out a victory. So the 2017 win goes to the Indianapolis Colts should see more of Darius Harris over the next three weeks. And I think it was good for him to get a game under his belt. Didn't turn out the way the chiefs wanted, but you got some big games coming up here in the Buccaneers in the Raiders on Monday night football. And then of course the Buffalo bills in in week six. So good for him to get uh, these reps underneath his belt. All right, that's it for the weekly roundup in news. When we come back, we will dive into the most important points from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid from his Monday afternoon press conference. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. We're going to now get into the Andy Reid Roundup. Each and every Monday, he will speak to the media via Zoom conference call. And it was a, a tough morning for Reed. I, I felt John, and before we get into the, the details of his quotes and play a few for uh, play a few of them for you here, I felt like Andy Reed was in a much better mood than he was after the game yesterday. I really felt like he and and understandably so, but he was not in the mood to take questions after this performance by his team on Sunday, and and it felt like uh, some sleep did some sleep did him good going into this press conference. I, you know, I thought exactly the same things and, and I wasn't in the room with him. I was just, or well, you weren't either. I guess it was a yeah. zoom call, but watching on zoom, I thought the same thing. I thought he was remarkably chipper for a head coach who had, uh, had an unexpected loss on his record mm-hmm. the day before. Um, so I think that I think Reed, after getting some sleep and reflecting on what happened in the game recognizes, well, this is just one of those things and we'll just have to move on from it. And that's essentially what he talked about in the press conference. Okay. So let's get into some of the, the important quotes from Reed here. We're only going to play a couple. So if you want to hear the entire zoom pressure, you can right here on the airhead pride podcast network by going to from the podium, Steve, I'm going to play these back to back before we discuss them. But I asked a question on, okay. After the Eric B Patrick Mahomes, conversation scene around the world. I was curious as to what's going on when it comes to offensive play calling, because in that moment, it looked like Eric, the enemy was calling the play to Jerick McKinnon to end the half. And Andy Reed had to break up this spirited conversation between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. So big question is who's calling the plays in Kansas city. Uh, so really everybody has their, their area that they contribute to and we go through and stack the plays and work it from there without giving too much there. But we have a pretty good idea what order we're going in. Then we just talk through it. I mean, EB and I talk through it. Nags does this year, like Mike did last year. Uh, Joe Blaymeyer's part of it. Everybody kind of has their part that they're, uh, that we talk through and make sure that we we're seeing things right. Uh, but listen, inevitably it's, it's my responsibility to, to make sure that the right things get in at the right time. So, um, and, and that comes strictly onto me, that part. Uh, I, I thought our guys, you know, they, they were, the communication was very well and good yesterday. And EB was great with the quarterback uh, on, on the headset and getting things in and that. But we just, we, we can, we got to get the guys into a rhythm. And I didn't think that that took place yesterday. It, it was, it was spurty at best. And uh, you can't, uh, 
you know, that, that you, you don't want that. So not really a, a clear direction there on who exactly wants to call the play <laughs> at the end of the half. Andy Reid, I believe, named about five individuals there. But let's go right <laughs> to his direct comments as he reflected on that conversation between the enemy and Mahomes. No, I that thing. I I don't think the camera probably showed the reality. It was uh, um, EB was just communicating come you know saying listen we'll, we'll get it the second half here that's what we were thinking he was explaining the situation to him so patrick listen patrick and this is what makes him great is he wants to rip your heart out on every play and every opportunity he gets um he had taken a pretty good lick um the play before and um and so my decision was to to do that you know to it wasn't eb eb was just a the calming effect there. And, uh, but sometimes things look, they look different. I mean, it's a, it's an emotional game. Man. I mean, it's an emotional game. I wouldn't want it any other way. I, that's what makes it great. And, and, um, and so, uh, and that's why we all love Pat. He, he wants to, he wants to play. There are guys that will shy away from that right there and, and, and say, Hey, let's just take it in and, and go the other direction. He wants to get in there and, and go. Um, but that's where I come in. I've got to make sure that um, I, I do what I think is best. And Pat explained it, I thought, very well yesterday. And let's not change Pat Mahomes, man. Let's not change that, or EB for that matter. Let's not change that. Those are those are two great men right there. So I, I think what you have here is a head coach keeping the business of his team inside the building right we don't Mm. really know still exactly what happened watching that video it does seem like eric b enemy made the call to run and get into the halftime locker room i i feel that even if that was the case i i think andy reed would have quickly had to sign off on it so even if he made the decision to let's say he did make the decision to to run it I think Andy Reid would have had had to say, "Yeah, let's do that." I or it might have been Andy Reid that that said, "Let's get into the locker room." And maybe Eric Bieniemy just called the play. It's a little confusing of a situation, but I think what is the problem here is it it adds fuel to this offseason fire stemming from all of those rumors and rumblings of the AFC title game and Matt Nagy coming to Kansas City, and I I think it felt like that particular wound had healed itself and been closed. And I just think in a 2017 loss to an inferior team by far, when you have this situation where Andy and Mahomes are having a spirited conversation and it's being viewed by millions of people, you're going to get questions about it. And it seems like a little bit of a reopened wound in, in a sense, John. Yeah, I, I agree. The thing, you know, listening to Andy today, um, one of the things that struck me is I thought his description of what occurred matched what I saw. Mm-hmm. The enemy's being very calm. You know, he's not, he's clearly not upset. He's just, you know, trying to reason with Mahomes. That's what I read from, you know, the the visual reference. And Mahomes is lobbying for something that he didn't get. That was pretty clear from the visual observation. And that's exactly what Reed is describing. 
So I feel like we're getting a pretty good answer from Reed about that conversation. I would not say that we got a good answer from Reed about who calls the place for the Chiefs. Yeah, we still don't uh, really know. Yeah, I mean, and the first thing I thought uh, when I started watching this video was, well, goodness, now we know who calls the plays for the Chiefs because Mahomes is going to Eric Bieniemy to complain about it. And then today, Andy Reid throws a lot of dirt on that. And once again, we don't really know exactly how that dynamic works. And uh, that may be the way Andy wants it. I don't know. Um, in, the past, in the past, Andy has called them. And then when the Chiefs need a change of pace, you know, we've seen him hand it off to Doug Peterson. Yes, and that's May. right. It's, it's never really been confirmed that that happens with Eric Bieniemy, But I think the bigger picture of it, like even if Bieniemy is calling the play, mm -hmm. like let's say that he did call that end, end of half play, to decide not to continue to go for it, I just think had to be a quick conversation with Andy Reid. Like he would have yeah. at least, let's mm -hmm. say he's calling the place hypothetically, right? Yeah. And right, Reid's right. just protecting his guy. Let's say hypothetically he's calling them. He would have had to turn to Andy, in my opinion, and been like, we should just go into the locker room, right? And Andy probably said, yes, that takes two seconds. That's a two second conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. Pat, Pat could be turning to the sideline and they could both turn to each other again in one second's time and say, nope. And the Chiefs were receiving the ball in the second half maybe they're firing if the colts were about to get the ball in the second half down 14 to 10 lo and behold it led to this very visible public thing which now the chiefs have had to address and this is what they're doing it's it's just i think making sure that this doesn't turn into a bigger thing and if you win on sunday night against the buccaneers that's coming up it won't turn into a bigger thing now if it turns into a skid maybe this continues to gain steam. The biggest right. cure mm -hmm. for these locker room, quote unquote, locker room issues is to just win. And if the Chiefs just get back on the horse, I, I bet you we forget about this by the next editor show, which is going to be Monday. I'm going to be a little sleepier, John, just so you know. I'm going yeah, to yeah, go ahead yeah. of him. Me I'm too. Sure you, yeah. you will be as well, so we'll have yeah. to get some afternoon coffee going. But I, I think if they are able to win that game, three and one coming off a win against the bucks going into an extra day's rest. I, I just don't think we're going to be talking about it as much, but it's a big deal when you end up losing the game. Like it wouldn't even be as big of a deal had they won this game. Even if they won ugly, it's just because you lost and everyone's looking for right. someone to blame, something to do, something to talk about. Why did they lose this game? And and I think they're pointing to that, that moment. All right. Let's I, con I'm sorry. I agree. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Let's go on to the next Andy Reid quote. And this was about the other main reason they might have lost the game or, or one of the main reasons that you could point to was that Chris Jones unsportsmanlike conduct penalty toward the end of the game where he very clearly said something to Matt Ryan. Not really a lot of phys physicality, but he said something to Matt Ryan. He was here was Andy Reid's comments uh, following that situation on Monday. Yeah, so the officials will follow a report with the league from what I understand. We don't necessarily get that report we get a different report on on the uh but that one there we don't that, that's not one that they give to us so we'll talk to the league uh once that's been turned in and, and go from there but and see what information we can get you know i i know talking takes place during games so it was a bit what i mentioned yesterday that there were two guys talking doing the talking and we we uh we got called. So the best advice I can give is don't talk. Right. And um, I think Chris mentioned that yesterday too. So, but I can't tell you exactly what was said until I see that reporter. 
see what they say. So what happened after the game is Chris Jones said he didn't remember what he said. Okay, Chris. And Matt Ryan said <laughs> that he, he he alluded to the fact that he knew, but he wasn't willing to say. And, and Matt Ryan is a long-term pro. He's been going out this sure, year yeah. mm-hmm. over a decade. And I don't think he wants to get in the weeds of exactly what happened. But this gave us a glimpse, I think, behind the scenes a little bit, John, of, of some process that we didn't really know yeah. about. Right? Like it, it's, it sounds like the officials, because it's such a game-changing penalty – will file some sort of report, but the chiefs don't have access to it or maybe they will. Or so I guess maybe we'll never find out or we will, or mm-hmm. maybe the chiefs will and we won't, but it does. What, what I gathered from that quote is it does seem like Andy Reid is looking into it and the chiefs are not exactly happy about that circumstance. I, I agree. I, I think that that the chiefs are going to follow through and they're going to find out what they can find out, which might involve, you know, calling somebody they know uh, up in the league office on Fifth Avenue to give them, you know, what it says in that report under the table, so to speak, because he made clear that they don't normally get that report, but uh, that he expected to get some information from it. I mean, he as much as said, we're going to try and get some information under the table here. I, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to do it, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to burn one of my marinated takeaways here because it just has to okay. do with the situation. Yeah. I think maybe it's a little tin foil for you, like like Travis Kelsey <laughs> and believing that agents are paying pro football focus for grades. I think I think Chris Jones said something really bad to Matt Ryan. I don't know what it yeah. is. I think it was awful. I think it was really, really bad. Now, I don't know what it was like. I think it, it had to be something awful. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it deserves a flag necessarily, but I do. We really know that. I mean, I don't. What if it was right. something like right? Yeah, really bad. Like, yeah, I, I don't even want to give an example of what I but I think it was something that that was really unnecessary, really lewd, really vulgar, even though Chris Jones said not not look, Chris, if you're happy to be listening to the editor show, I'm sorry, man. In this case, I don't believe you still love you. I think you're a great guy. Thank you for all the quotes over the years. But I think it was something that was bad. And I think I do think it's something that will never happen for Chris again. At that point, dude, it's just like walk away and Mm -hmm. go to your teammates. You just won the game. It's like (laughs) you guys played not not the defensive unit, but as a team, you guys played awful today. You somehow pulled out this win on the road that you very Mm -hmm. clearly don't deserve. And you. You gave them another opportunity to win. Like win. I just, yeah. it, it is an excruciating circumstance, but I would bet, and this is a marinated takeaway that I, I thought about this morning after I slept on, and that's the beauty of our marinated takeaways. We'll get to more of them in the next segment. I just think it had to be something awful. I don't know exactly what that right. is, though. Well, I agree, and, and I think that's why Andy Reid is making what appears to be a special effort to find out exactly what it was, which is what mm-hmm. he was alluding to today. It's like, we don't get this report, but you know, we're going to find out what was in it. Once it gets, once it gets in there, we're going to find out and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Now I don't think Reed's going to take any action about it. I don't think that at the beginning of next week's press conference, Andy Reed is going to announce 
what that they learned what chris jones said and he's you know now getting disciplined for it or whatever i don't think he's going to volunteer that information and i think you're right when you say that if the chiefs win this sunday um that's one of the things that we'll forget that we'll forget all about and maybe nobody will ever ask if the the chiefs found out what chris jones said in that situation to draw that flag but i agree with you that it must have been terrible i mean just terrible right. for the referee to to throw a flag uh when it was just words mm-hmm. i i know there's a lot of people who are saying well i don't see what's the point of a penalty that's just words mm-hmm. well yeah it kind of depends on what the words are don't you think <laughs> right (laughs) you know and 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 so i I think for there to have been a penalty here it had to have been awful just awful and i and i agree i I don't even want to speculate what it could have been no i'm and i'm curious i'm curious yeah it's one of those grand mysteries that i i don't know if we'll ever know the answer until maybe chris jones retires in, in what seven years eight years anyway um that's it that's it for that at this point Let's get into the final Andy Reid, I, I think, quote that we need to. And this was on kicker Harrison Butker and Matt Amendola and where the Chiefs stand. I can't tell you that right now. That's uh, Brett's mulling through all that and, and working through it right now. Yeah, Matt Amendola has played his last game for the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> having tryouts right now as we speak like last week during the third segment we got the willie gay news i wouldn't be surprised if we get a kicker signing as we're talking right now like yeah harrison butker is not ready the chiefs will sign another kicker matt amandola has played his last game can't can't do it and you see it around the league all the time and you know that's part of the business that is the nfl Mm -hmm. Uh, for the kicker position specifically these guys will be cut immediately if they can't consistently hit a field goal you're allowed you're allowed to miss a field goal here and there uh you shouldn't really (laughs) miss extra points uh the chiefs are missing harrison bucker quite a bit right now i think Mm -hmm. it's given fans a new appreciation for who i consider to be the second best kicker in the nfl um i'm a really big fan of harrison bucker on the field and i i think that you you are seeing um you know, it can cost you a game if you don't have a reliable kicker. And right. I think the Chiefs will have somebody else in there if it's if Harrison Butker is not ready. Well, Sunday was an excellent example of what can go wrong if you can't right. count on your on your kicker. Um, you know, the they had to go for a two point conversion because of that mixed extra, missed extra point. And it was only a miracle that that uh, two point conversion uh, was actually counted. Um, because they couldn't find the evidence to overturn it. I'm kind of surprised they called it in to begin with, to tell you the truth. And uh, so the Chiefs, I'm going to I'm going to make a note of this. And the what? next time somebody tells me that the refs are always against the Chiefs, I'm going to pull out that two-point conversion play because I think the Chiefs were gifted that play. And uh, and it and you know, without it, if if it had gone the way it probably should have, that it wasn't counted as a, as two points. It would have changed the the dynamics of the game substantially, and it all started with a missed field, a uh, missed extra point attempt. So, and then there was another one later in the game, and the the fake field goal. All of that is because Harrison Butker was out. So this is a perfect example of how important the kicker is in the NFL. And let's take out the fact that Andy Reid did not leave Patrick Mahomes on the field because that is a fair question, and. 
I would agree with fans for being upset about that. Sure. Mm-hmm. But they chose Tommy Townsend to throw a pass before they gave him another kick. Right. Like, right. Not, not a good sign. Just, just but, not, but, not but, the but in fairness, throw, right. Yeah, that's right. In fairness, there was another fake field goal attempt that Tommy Townsend nailed the pass. So it's it not, well, yeah, but it was a fake. It, it's right. a, an instance where that's right. You're correct. It was a punt. But Tommy Townsend threw a great pass on that particular uh, fake play. And I think that's part of what informed their decision to try it yesterday was that he'd thrown it really well before. This is just me speculating and breaking down a fake field goal play. I think Tommy's more comfortable when he's already standing up. I think it's a tough Mm. ask for a guy who doesn't throw a pass to come out of a crouch position and then to get it done. And it's such a big spot where it's such a close game and you're on the road. Um, and roll to his left. Let's not forget right. that. He was rolling I mean, to his left when he threw that ball. I mean, we're not talking about Tommy Mahomes here. This is Tommy right. Townsend. Right. right. <laughs> maybe they maybe they just assume we see Pat do it all the time. You know, Tommy can do right. it. Right. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Well, that's Andy Reid. Again, if you want to listen to Andy Reid in full, uh, the reporters asking him questions on this Zoom conference call that he does each and every Monday, you can. Airhead Pride Podcast Network. It's called From the Podium. It is available to you right now. So if you want to pause us and go back and listen, you can. If not, stay with us. We are going to get into those world-famous marinated takeaways. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Adapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. You hear the music. You know what it means. It's time <laughs> for those world-famous marinated takeaways. John, I was so excited about marinated takeaways for this loss that I already burned one in the last segment. <laughs> So that means you get three and I only have two. So as we do every week, we'll start with you. And then because I've burned my third, you will also close in this segment. So go oh, ahead. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. a lot of, I don't know if I can take all this pressure here. Um, grand I would opening, just, grand closing. Yeah. Arrowhead okay. At you. Well, yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to go kind of on a rant here. Um, right. I, I, get why people, I get why people are upset about the way the special teams played on Sunday. It is absolutely true that one of the big reasons, perhaps the biggest reason the Chiefs lost this game is because of special teams play. What I absolutely disagree with is that Dave Tobe should be on the hot seat as a result. I'm sorry, this is completely wrong. It's completely wrong. It is not Dave Tobe's fault that his kick returner is a rookie. And the idea that we should have an established veteran returning kicks is ridiculous. 
This is why special teams have rookies on them so that rookies can find their way into playing in the NFL, adjust to the speed of the game to learn what it means to play in front of 80,000 people where there isn't quite as much pressure as there is when they have to learn the whole playbook and do all the things that a wide receiver has to do when he's a rookie in Andy Reid's offense. There's a reason that rookies return kicks. We should expect that those rookies are sometimes going to make a mistake. If you think that Sky Moore was going to go through the whole season without making a mistake like this, then you were, frankly, you were a fool. This was going to happen. I'm sorry it happened. You know, I didn't want it to happen, but it was reasonable to expect that it would. That's not Dave's, Dave Tobe's fault. Neither is it Dave's to Dave Tobe's fault that Harrison Butker hurt his ankle, which is the only reason that Matt Amendola was on the field. And once Harrison Butker is hurt, it's not like you can go out and get a guy as good as Harrison Butker to take his place. Let's face it. No matter which of the six kickers that Dave Tobe selected last week to take Butker's place for these few games that he's out, one of those guys, any one of those guys, would have been just as likely to perform as, as Amendola did on Sunday. It's not Dave Tobe's fault that there aren't very many good place kickers available, uh, you know, when you have to hire one today. That's just that's just the way it is. This is going to happen. Yeah, Amendola looked great in that first game, but that doesn't mean he's going to be great in the second game because if he was, he'd have a job someplace on somebody's active roster. Yeah, the special teams were bad yesterday. And they caused some problems. But that doesn't mean that Dave Tobe isn't doing a good job or that he should be fired. All right. So I think I agree with you on the, the point as a whole. There's one, one part I might disagree, and I'll explain what I mean. First of all, everyone is entitled to having a bad day and a bad game. Yes. Dave Tobe has been really good at this. Yes. For the most mm -hmm. part mm -hmm. since 2013. Yep. I know. It's a, what are you doing for me, me lately? How did you do in the next game? What's happening? And it's a very reactive league. It's very reactive fan bases, not just in Kansas City, everywhere. Sure. So yeah. you have sure. fans that are, are upset. And, and I, I get it. I think when I just look at this game specifically, the question that I have is this. Sky Moore, and I'm with you, is entitled to make a mistake. It is almost to be expected. Actually, both of these returners made mistakes in this game where yes. mm -hmm. more had the two issues and then Pacheco fell on, right. on a kick return and probably right. took it out too many times without getting to the 25 or close to it. Right. Whatever. I think my problem with, with yesterday specifically, again, not Dave Tobe as a whole or the fact that he has a job. I think he should have a job and have one for a long time with no problem with Dave. Tobe. This game specifically is sky Moore was rattled and fumbled this punt to begin the game. After a really good start by the defense, by the way, it was a three mm -hmm, and out. Right. And who knows how the day goes if Sky Moore doesn't fumble. You leave him out for that second punt. Questionable, right? It didn't work out again. I was stunned that he was left out there for a third. Could you imagine if he had made a third mistake on a punt? He didn't. He he was able to correct it there. I don't I mean, I don't know if that 
was the right. I, I was questioning why Moore was out there even the second time. And not to say that like Sky Moore should never be a punt returner again in the NFL, but maybe like get him back to Kansas City, work on it again, throw him back out there next game. I was a little I was questioning their decision to just leave him out there when it was such a close game. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And and I'd like to thank you for reminding me of one of the points I wanted to make during my rant. So now you get to hear that point as well. <laughs> okay. Sky Moore did exactly what he was supposed to do on that second punt return. That punt return was going to come down at what? About the seven or eight yard line. And what you're supposed to do in that circumstance is let it go. Let it go into the end zone. What did Sky Moore do? He acted like he was going to field the punt. And then as the punt came in several yards ahead of where it was, he thought it was going to land. And then as the punt came in, he got the hell out of the way. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Now, because the ball was down on the one foot line, everybody assumed that Sky Moore had made a mistake. But in fact, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. It's just that in a percentage of those situations, even if you do the right thing, the ball is going to be uh, downed by the opposing team right at the goal line. It's not Sky Moore's fault or Dave Tobe's fault, for that matter, that the Indianapolis punter kicked that so well that when the ball hit the ground, it bounced straight up in the air and they were able to down it at the one foot line. That's not Sky Moore's fault. He did what he was supposed to do. So I will have to disagree with you on this, Pete, because they left him out there. He did the right thing. And I think it would have sent entirely the wrong message if they'd taken him out after that, after he did the right thing on that punt. So maybe I have to watch with you. So maybe I have to watch the play again. To me, it looked like yeah. he was indecisive. But mm, no, I don't think so. I think he did what, exactly what he's supposed to do. I think they're supposed to fake that they're going I to catch it. Yeah, I haven't. I would have to watch it again. You might be right. Um, yeah. Even still, I, I'll say this and, and say you are correct on this. I mean, I'm taking more <laughs> out after the first. I'm taking more out after the first. But look, I'm not a special teams coordinator in the NFL. And there's right. no reason for that. Well, so. neither am I, actually, as it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> All right. My uh, second marinated takeaway, because I burned one before. This is another tough one. I was about 75 or 80 percent sure before. Uh, but now I do feel like I'm above 90 percent that one way or another. Eric Bieniemy will move on next offseason. It just feels like it's time. Not to say that it's the fault of this happening on Sunday. I think mm -hmm. I yeah. think the Chiefs were probably close to some kind of mutual agreement during this offseason. I think it's getting. I, I don't even want to say like it, it's for one specific reason. It just feels like there's there's tension there, and I don't know how to describe it. I just see feels like there's something that isn't right. And what I ended up doing here, John, is I, I thought about Eric Bieniemy not being here. I made a list of those who may not be here, just even player-wise. And it's long. So if I don't think Bieniemy right. is going to be here, that just begins it. But I also don't know if Orlando Brown is going to be here. Frank Clark, Juan Thornhill, Carlos Dunlap, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is struggling. That's another underrated. Right. Mm -hmm. McCole yep. Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. I don't know if any of these guys are going to be here. And as I was just thinking about this. this is the beauty of marinated takeaways i just i wonder if we're going to look back in time five years from now as 2022 i gotta remember the year 2022 being <laughs> this year that ends up being this like really grand transition period for the chiefs where you look at that year and 
you know, maybe it doesn't end up as a championship. I mean, I hate to mm-hmm. be the one to, to say this, right? But you almost look at this year as one of those necessary evils. Maybe it's a playoff year that they exit in the first or second game. Just not exactly the right feel, but it was a necessary transition year to establish a consistent team from 2023 moving forward. Because I just think there's a lot of people and players here right now that won't be here in future years. And it I don't know. I'm I'm this is me just wondering out loud if this is just what it is, where this isn't gonna be one of those years that we've seen in previous years where the Chiefs get to the playoffs and they're expected to be a Super Bowl team. I think it might be one of those, let's see what they can do in the dance type of years. And you have to have those in the course of a franchise. They're not as fun. There's not, they're not as fun as the other years, but I think they're necessary evils to having success in the long term. And yesterday's situation got me thinking along that path. Well, if that were to happen, what we would expect to see going into that year what would we expect to see? We'd expect to see a whole bunch of rookies, right? Yeah. And you'd expect to see some rookies from the previous season who were doing very well. And you'd expect to have a bunch of rookies coming in next year. All three of those things are true. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I, I think you might be onto something here in years to come. We might look back on this year and say, Oh yeah, this was the transition to the, to the real, uh, second Patrick Mahomes era. You know, we've talked about that being the beginning this season, but maybe it's not going to start until 2023, you know, after uh, this this current crop of rookies finds their way this season uh, and so on. Um, I, I think there's I think there's some validity to that idea uh, that we might see that, Pete. I, I just, you know, on the other hand, they could be contending this season they could end up with the second seed or the first seed in the afc and and well, challenge I mean, the super bowl if, you know we don't know one thing, if there's one thing we learned yesterday it's that we don't know what the hell we're talking about so <laughs> that just well, goes that's, to show. that's that's certainly true um all right and, let's get and, your let's get yeah. your second marinated takeaway yeah and mine is is uh is i'm just gonna assume that i don't know i'm just gonna say what's going on with patrick mahomes yeah i i don't i don't understand um what's really going on here we had every indication that he was building chemistry with receivers like uh, marquez valdez scantling and juju smith schuster and justin watson and then we get to a game like yesterday and he just doesn't seem to have that connection with any of them mm-hmm. um you know he finally got a big play out of juju uh on sunday but that was the first time we'd seen that in three games um, I'm just, you know, I'm just a little concerned about, uh, what's really going on here, but I, I, I think that it's worth mentioning again, uh, I kind of previewed a little bit of this marinated takeaway earlier in the show, just like you did, Pete. Uh, I think it's fair to point out the desperation factor that the, the Indianapolis Colts had going for them yesterday. And let's not forget, they got Stefan Gilmore back there. You know, they've got some good players in that defense. And maybe it's just as simple as that, that that's a better team than the Chiefs were expecting and that we were expecting. And that was the result that we saw. Um, Certainly, we all thought that uh, Patrick Mahomes would shred Gus Bradley's defense. I think Jared Sapp pointed out in his prediction uh, over the weekend that 
Patrick Mahomes was six and one against Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator. And if I were Gus Bradley, I'd go into that game saying, I'm going to figure out a way to stop Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. It's the last thing I ever do. You know, right. if, if you got pundits saying stuff like that. So uh, I think that has to be part of the evaluation here, but I think it's a fair question. What's going on with Patrick Mahomes? I, I, I think it's fair. I was happy to see Juju break out. I think that was a long time coming. I was waiting to see it in a game. Looked like just another reliable receiver for Patrick Mahomes. He didn't get in the end zone, like I said on on my parlay. My parlay was horribly wrong this week. <laughs> Sorry, all the we won week one. I was yeah. like, this is going to be great for Chiefs fans. I'm going to win the money every week. And now I've been horribly <laughs> wrong two weeks in a row. So sorry to everybody. Welcome but to Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. <laughs> Smith-Schuster, in a sense, broke out as a Chief, which I thought wasn't important. I do feel like Marquez Valdez-Scantling looks a little bit lost out there. Now, there was a play early in the game where Patrick Mahomes, to me, clearly overthrew him. But Brian, we don't necessarily know everything that goes into that right is it, why is the timing off i we're not exactly sure it did look like it was mahomes's fault but just in general i'm um, i'm wondering if valdez scantling is going to be this player we thought remember like the storyline with valdez scantling was he's just looked as a deep threat in green bay i mean he's not even that right now for the chiefs it's just mm-hmm. a non-reliable receiver that doesn't look a lot different to me than like a demarcus robinson or a byron pringle which is very disappointing for what we expected in, in marquez not to pick on him but to pick on him a little bit I just think we expected more to this point. And I think that plays into your point. And, uh, and that actually transitions me nicely into my final merited takeaway. And it's partially borrowed from our new contributor, Price Carter, who did a really nice job outlining this idea that maybe the Chiefs missed Tyreek Hill and maybe it's okay for us to say that. And when I say that, and this is another player I'm talking on the field, I do not think the Chiefs miss that there is something necessary to be said. What is the podcast name? Uh, it uh, had to be said. Had to be said. I don't know yeah. if everything needs to be said. I'm talking yeah. about on the field, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> now, when I say that, I think, as we were saying about the transition year, there's an adjustment period here to not having one of the most explosive sure. players in the NFL. They were okay week one. You'd see teams making adjustments where week two, they played a pretty good Chargers defense. We thought was pretty good. Like blown out by the Jaguars yesterday. So who knows about anything in the NFL, but that was pretty good against the chiefs. So you expected them to come in this game and to have the success that, that we saw and not to be. And so for me, I just, I'm wondering if there, there's some growing pains of not having one of the best receivers in the NFL. And like, as I say that you're almost thinking, well, of course, right. And mm-hmm. as I go yeah. back to my list of that that second marinated takeaway that I had, when you think about the fact that maybe Juju and Marquez won't maybe be here, you know, I I I think the Chiefs really need to get one of these receivers in the draft and one of those premier receivers. And if they keep picking in the twenties, they're gonna have to trade up to do it. I have thought again in those twenty snaps, Trent McDuffie looks great. George Karloftis looks great. Mm-hmm. At some point here, I think because of the money you've spent at other positions, because of the money you've spent on Patrick Mahomes, you might have to trade up to try to go get somebody like Tyree Kill. Like Brad Feach has been really good at evaluating these players. Man, it, it would be outstanding if the Chiefs, for example, had Jamison Williams, that Alabama receiver who's on the Detroit Lions PUP, who really looks like this world beater. We'll see if it transitions to the NFL. But there's really nobody in the woodwork where you're like, okay, here comes the reinforcement trades like that. Don't really happen in the NFL. You don't see it a ton. So this is the cast this year. And I think the chiefs are really missing that go to 
guy, the guy after Travis Kelsey, because I'm just not sure that Juju and Marquez are that. And so, again, on the field, and I agree with Price, great write-up, by the way, at ArrowheadPride.com. I think it's fair to admit that right now, and it could change by the time the playoffs roll around, the Chiefs do miss Tyreek Hill. I have two words for you with regard to that marinated takeaway. Justin Mm -hmm. Ross. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of Chiefs fans have that word. That uh, yeah, yeah, that, that thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's being pretty. You know, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think it could happen. I don't know if I would predict that, but I think that's why they have a guy like Justin Ross stashed away on a redshirt year this year, so that they'll have a guy that might be. Uh, that guy who steps in for Tyreek. I mean, even if they hadn't traded him away this year, there was going to ha- come a point where they'd have to decide whether to keep him or not. Right. And um, so, I, you know, they they could have he could have played on his existing contract after all for this year, and then revisit the contract negotiations next year. So I think that's exactly why they make a move for a player like Ross, who is you know, potentially a great player, but might not be, but it's one that they can get when they're picking late in the draft. You know, everyone, so, everyone thinks the Brett Veach special is the former first rounder. The Brett Veach yeah. special is sneaking somebody on the IR <laughs> who might be yeah. a player next year. So we'll yeah, see about Justin. That's Ross. right. But, all right, John, do you have anything else for me? Well, one of the things that we're getting uh, after this game uh, is about play calling. Um, and we just did, you know, five minutes about play crawling with, with what Andy Reid said today in his presser. And I just want to repeat something that I've been saying for at least the last 25 years that I've covered this team, which is getting to be uh, close to 30 now, um, which is that play calling isn't just as, it isn't as big a deal as I think people tend to make it out to be, Um, you know, going back to that, uh, the, the play call to try the fake punt, on Sunday's game, uh, I think you can justify that play call based on what they were seeing from the field goal kicker and what they may have seen in practice from the field goal kicker in the last week, uh, that it made more sense for them to try the fake field goal at that moment. People are mad, think it was a bad decision because it didn't work. You know, a play call isn't bad just because it doesn't work. Sometimes, more often than not, actually, a play called a play doesn't work because it's poorly executed because the defense anticipated it, uh, not because it was called at that moment. I think that a lot of times people blame play calling when the fault actually lies somewhere else. And I'd just like to reiterate that point because, you know, that's what I do is repeat points that I've made over and over. <laughs> and, you know, on the other side of it, and I've, I've alluded to it all, all podcasts, the defensive play calling was outstanding yesterday. Steve yes. identified that Matt Ryan cannot handle the blitz and yep. just called a beautiful game. And it's a shame that it was wasted by the special teams and the and, offense. And in, in fairness, though, that has as much to do with the design of the game plan as it does with a specific play call. Yep. I mean, what you're talking about there is recognizing that this was a, a weakness that the Colts had and then finding a way, okay, how can we approach that? And then executing those play calls. Certainly the individual play calls at a given point in the game mattered in that respect. And I'm not saying that play calls don't matter, but I think people tend to think it's the only thing that matters. And I don't think that's true. The chief's defense is cooking, right? I mean, if, if you had to pick, what would you like to see doing well at the beginning of the season? I think you'd, you'd pick the defense. Absolutely. Yeah. You, 
you know that special teams will work itself out. You know that off the offense is not going to look like this all year. So, again, we're trying to hang our hat on some positives from this disaster that was the Chiefs' loss to. <laughs> it was. All right, we got our news. We got our Andy Reid segment, and we got our marinated takeaways, which means we have wrapped up the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, please leave us a rating and a review. We will read every five-star rating and review right here on the AP Editor Show. For Steve Serta behind the glass and John Dixon, my name is Steve Sweeney. Thank you once again for listening to another edition of the AP Editor Show.